0: Welcome to the North Texas District Leadership Podcast. This is a resource from and for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. Got a great show for you today. I'm Lennon, by the way, and I'm here with uh, Mark the Man Brewer. Yes, the man. Thank you for emphasizing that. You're well. You're welcome. Mark Brewer is a is a longtime pastor from the Oaks Fellowship right down the road in Red Oak. And so this is a particular episode that I think is going to bring a specific type of value. If you're a lead pastor, I think this will be a resource you can share with your staff. If you're a staff pastor today, we're going to be talking about some things that I think will specifically apply to you. Uh, we're going to talk about, Mark, aren't we being a great staff pastor? Yeah. As best we can. Exactly. Whenever I thought of the subject, great staff pastor, and I, answered, I asked to the wind, I said, who's a great staff pastor? Pastor, birds, animals, everybody came running and said, well, that's Mark Brewer. That's pretty amazing that they all knew that. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> okay, enough shenanigans. So whether you're an official uh, youth pastor, kids pastor, executive pastor, worship leader, all of these roles are associate. And so today we're talking about leading from kind of this second chair. So Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks.
1: So glad to be here. It's an honor and it's, uh, you know, it's always an honor to be able to share some of our story and the things that we've been through and man we're still learning so much every day every week uh, we're reminded of how much we lack since Jesus is the standard yes and then also uh we're learning uh and to honor all of the things that uh you know he's shown us up to this point but we still got a, long, we got a long ways to go.
0: Well, a long ways to go, and you've had a long road there mm-hmm. at the Oaks. So tell us a little bit about um, your, we can say your involvement with the church and your start in ministry, because it's all connected in the same place. Yeah, yeah, it is. So 1989, March of 1989
1: is when I gave my life to the Lord, mm-hmm. and just a, a great experience. I had been living a, a life around a lot of bad people. I was probably the ringleader of that. I wasn't on the short <laughs> list. We were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was on anyone's short list of getting saved. Um, But I did. I showed up to a church after about a year of invites. And uh, not because I thought my life was bad or because I thought uh, I needed Jesus. I really wasn't even looking for any of that. It really was just the love of the people.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, so I showed up, gave my life to the Lord, and then I've never left. So it's been Mm -hmm. uh, 30 plus years that I've been there at Oaks Church. And uh, it's been a good run. Yeah. So I think the Probably the most official step into ministry was uh, about a year in. I'd been following Jesus for about a year. I was still bartending mm-hmm. uh, at a place called Chili's. It was kind of a heavy hitter restaurant back in the day. Yeah, of, you know? of Chili's? Yeah, you know, it's still kind of popular, but back then it was kind of right on the edge. And that yeah. was where all the churchy people went uh, before and after services and all that. Yeah. So I had been working there for a while, was about to go into management. And Scott uh, called me one day, said, hey, come up to the office. I we'll want to talk to you about something. So he pitched to me uh, an amazing offer. He said, hey, we have a Sunday school class room that we can let you live in we can pay you 25 bucks a week uh, for food and uh, that'll probably cover breakfast and lunch and then you'll have to, you know, fast and pray for dinner and yeah. hopefully the Lord will provide and then I became the glorified uh, kind of temple dude who opened up the mm. building before and after services, closed things down and so yeah, that was the step so he said, think about it, see see if the Lord wants you to do it and I thought, well, okay, I can go make $35,000 being a manager and I, I think in today's figure that's probably seventy k or something so it was good yeah, money.
0: Yeah, significant.
1: Uh, that was a long time ago, or I can make twenty five bucks a week and sleep on a dirty Sunday school classroom floor uh and uh, it was a it was
0: an easy decision mm-hmm. uh, I took the floor and uh, it's made all the difference it's been fantastic wow so I've heard you say you you did a breakout for us at district council, which was fantastic you talked about planning for growth in your church and so appreciate that it's such a such a good contribution to the whole conference and so um in that, though, you mentioned that over the years at the Oaks, you have held every staff position with the exception of uh, head women's minister. And so talk a little bit about the development of your role and mm-hmm. sort of what your specific uh, portfolio might look like today. Uh, now I now have this lofty title of executive pastor. Yeah. and uh, You look sort of hordy-toity walking yeah, in here. Yeah, I know. Well, I have that,
1: and that's probably how the birds and the the, the fowl and the animals yeah, knew that I was yeah, sure. the key staff guy. <laughs> that journey's been been just really one step at a time. I've never had this, hey, I need to go do this specific thing in ministry calling. It was really, I just need to do what the Lord affords for me to do next. And so initially that started with, uh, I'm the, the door opener guy in the mornings and the door closer guy at night, the air conditioner turner offer. Yep. Um, and then it morphed into, hey, you're going to teach a little Sunday school stuff. And then, hey, we need some help in kids ministry. And then eventually, I think the first time I actually started uh, making real money, which was I think a hundred bucks a week uh, when I got married, was as the kids' pastor. So, wow. uh, and then you know, I've done everything from a kids' pastor to uh young adults' pastor. I think I was probably a junior high pastor, worship pastor services, men's ministry, and uh, some volunteer pastor. Uh, and then for about 15 years, Melanie and I uh, directed, now it's called OSL, Oak School of Leadership, but before it was Master's Commission. So yes, we did that for yes. about 15 years. Okay. Uh, so that was probably the biggest component and the, probably the one that had the most longevity and really set me up, I think, for this role as an executive pastor because of the day-to-day interaction and the constant growing. So I, I got a lot of good reps and uh, mm-hmm. doing that and then I just took the next step in uh, uh, taking that to the you know the older adult level and right. a
0: broader reach in the church so for a lot of staff ministers and I th- you you literally have done everything except for women's ministry I mean that that does really cover the gamut for a lot of us who may serve on staff there can be this sort of lingering thing that our ministry really starts whenever we mm-hmm. leave from where we are and we go we're the head man or the head woman somewhere, and so that can lead, I think, to a lot of uh, a lot of discontent, maybe a little disengagement, sometimes well before it's time to really be mm-hmm. disengaged or to be discontent. So, um, what opportunities for benefiting God's kingdom do you feel are uniquely available to those ministering from a staff? portfolio. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for most of us to recognize is that uh, um, God's
1: the one that calls us to places and mo- and we would we would totally say that with our words and say, oh, yeah, God called me here. But then sometimes the way that we operate in our thinking, it looks a little bit different because we have our eyes on whatever the next thing is. Yes, And uh, there's just not a lot of scriptural context about looking to the next thing. In fact, there's more scriptural context about shut up about tomorrow and just get your junk done today <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. and kind of be faithful with that. So I, I think when we're talking about the benefits, the greatest benefit that to the kingdom really is for people to just own their zone uh, right now. And if we could recognize being the top person, it looks really amazing. I've never really had much of a desire to be the top person. I've actually enjoyed being the second or the 10th or the 15th yeah. because I know the top person always has to give the first account to God on right. the day of judgment. And it really is big and powerful. And, and I, you
0: will just get to point to Scott. Yeah, exactly. He. he <laughs> Why he, did
1: I do it? Right. He gets, he, those, he gets those first chops there. So one of the things that I think is encouraging and what we used to do with our students a lot is I said, hey, you're coming from a different place. We're not asking you. You know, you're paying us a lot of money to come here and learn from us. So, uh, my encouragement is learn everything you can learn while you're here. And uh, I think Chris Brady said one time: uh, there's three things that are always at play. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Some of what you know you're forgetting, and some of what you know just ain't so. Either it wasn't legitimate before when you know when you heard it, or it's become irrelevant. So, what I would always encourage people do, and I still uh, encourage our staff, new staff today: hey. You need to always be looking at what's happening and thinking, what of that can I do next and take into whatever my next role is and whether that's here in this house or at another house and what do I need to offload or what do I need to dismantle or what do I need to get rid of or what would I not do? you know, uh, given another opportunity. And just really stay in that lane instead of this idea, well, hey, when I'm the boss or when I'm the head honcho, I'm going to go do these things and those those other things. I think it's totally appropriate. And like we do with our parents, you know, hey, if I'm a dad, then I'm not going to do it this way or that. Yeah. But uh, the real key is being able to do that on a day-to-day basis. So instead of thinking, hey, in five years, what, what do you need to learn today or what do you need to be reminded of today or what do you need to offload today in order to take your next step? into uh you know just tomorrow instead of like next week and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um I had a pastor on here a couple episodes back, Landon Henry, I mm-hmm. think you know yeah. him from a pastor out in St. Angelo, Texas. Our specific angle of that episode was some surprising joys and some surprising challenges about becoming the senior leader. And one of the exhortations he gave was just kind of While you're in an associate role, try to strive to do things in such a way where you won't feel the need to apologize later for being too big for your britches Mm -hmm. or disengaged or overly critical. And I think that is a big deal. Whenever you look at the number of uh, senior leaders who would say, oh, man, I had to call my pastor and just apologize. Right. That's probably best case scenario that you'll want to do that just for making some goober mistakes. But I think that really does, if you are to be leading something one day, to be sowing what you pray you'll reap with staff.
1: Well, the key is Ephesians 4 says this, Paul's encouragement was, hey, as a prisoner for the Lord, and that was his current role. Now, he had done a lot of other things, but in that role, he was living as a prisoner, not something that he probably woke up thinking, I'd love to be in this situation. But that perspective, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So it's not the calling that is for tomorrow. It's this moment calling that I have right here. And so— I think a lot of us have this idea of, hey, once I get these reps in, then I'm going to move to this level, to this level. Mm-hmm. And the real focus is, hey, it's about God's calling, There's so much spent on dreams and goals, so much time, because we've gotten nervous about the discipleship idea, so most of the time we're talking leadership, and we miss that calling piece. Jesus lived his life uh, fulfilling the calling. Uh, He could have done more, could have healed more people, uh, could have cast more demons out, could have raised more people from the dead, but why didn't he? That's a great question. He actually left a tremendous amount of stuff on the table it could have been done. And there were always people trying to get him to do other stuff. Hey, let's build some tents up here. Hey, let's go to this city. Hey, let's do this miracle in the street. And he said no a lot. And it was because he was totally comfortable with the calling. And he even said it this way, the son only does what he hears the father saying to do, and the son only does what he sees the father doing. And I think as pastors sometimes... We have a tendency to strive for more than what God has called us to do. So I've just gotten really comfortable. Just I'm going to live the life worthy of the calling that he's given me up to this point. Yes. And if he wants me to do more, he'll tell me to do more. The other piece is when Jesus talks about being faithful, his minimum is 2x. It's double. It's 100% return. When you go and read the parables, the minimum, when he says this person's been faithful, is 100% return on what they've been given. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a staff pastor, it's not about, hey, when am I going to get the next baton handoff to scale up? It's am I doing the work to double kingdom impact with what God's given me right now, because the scripture is very evident that without that you don't get any more. Yeah, it's somewhat you know very simple, but I don't think it's an oversimplification. Oversimpli- I think it's very evident in scripture that that's Jesus' model for faithfulness is a hundred percent return. And when you think of it that way, it changes this whole faithful mindset. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to be faithful where I am and just keep you know I'm going to deal with this. This baloney and this junk I'm going through, and I'm going, no, I don't see anything in Scripture like that. I I see double kingdom impact, 2X mentality, Mm. and so if that guides your day-to-day, it doesn't leave a lot of room Mm. for always dreaming about what's coming down the road later. So—
0: Your consistency and longevity, uh, I know that that's been an incredible blessing to Pastor Scott as your senior leader and to the Oaks just as your church and this congregation you serve. Something I'm positive that you and I have never talked about this, but I would just wager my life savings on it, that this has happened. Whenever you serve in an upfront position and you are obviously uh, you're passionate and you have any level of competence. So I've, I've been to the Oaks a few times on Sunday morning. I've heard you get up there, welcome everybody. We are not a large church. We are a small town. I could say some of your stuff, and I know as you serve and you're that consistent, I'm positive. The questions have come at some point. Wow, Mark, the Lord really has his hand on you. So when are you going to go out and do a church? Mm-hmm. Or when are So there might be some youth pastors here that get this version. When are you going to pastor? As if they're not pastoring. But right. there, there is that sort of people will be expecting you to think bigger and better because you serve with passion and competence where you are. So I anticipate some of this comes down to what you just said, calling. Um, in addition to that, what are some of the other reasons you've, you've stayed? Yeah,
1: and, and you're right on that. It's the reason I've stayed is because God told me to. And really, the reason I stayed is because God didn't tell me to do anything else. So right. a lot of times people are saying, well, God, do you want me to stay? And I'm going, no, you just assume he wants you to stay until he tells you something else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, this idea of last command. I've only had two people ever in 30 years call to see if I'd like to look at another opportunity. Oh my savings are safe, but just barely. <laughs> just barely. So the you know, one was pastor friend of mine, um, who's passed on, brother Gregory over in Rowlett. and then one was a good friend of ours, Sam Farina, when uh, he was out in uh Love Sam. In, yeah. Out in North Carolina or South Carolina. It's, that's the only two calls I've ever had. And I said, I'm not sensing the leaving, but I'll consider it and take it to the Lord. And it was pretty easy to, to get to the answers mm-hmm. uh, on those. I think when I look at it, it's probably less these things were happening. And so it's the reason I stayed. But there are some great things that have happened because I've stayed. Yeah. And, uh, and I think uh, I had a couple here. One of those things is constantly being invited into the whole of the organization. And I was invited early on, you know, even when I probably didn't have much perspective to bring. So the power of being invited into the whole, I think, as a senior leader, that's definitely one of the things I would encourage senior leaders to do. Man, unless there's some reason you wouldn't invite someone in, get them into the mix of everything. And I'm Mm -hmm. talking money, perspective, finances, problems. Another thing is I've always been challenged to grow. And that's been a part of the Oaks Church culture since the day I walked in, and it started with Pastor Tom. It's continued with uh, Pastor Scott. It's about growing. There's no way to make disciples and be a disciple unless you're growing. There's no way to become more like Jesus unless you're growing. So that is very, very much a, a part of the culture, and and I'm so glad that I have that inside of me, and uh, you know, from sticking around this long. The third thing probably is being loved well. Uh, Oaks Church is going to get beat in a lot of ways. We're going to get beat on all kinds of stuff. We're going to get beat on our signage. We're going to get beat on our branding. We're going to get beat on our social media. We're going to get beat on our services. Our music's hard to beat, you know, Clayton and these guys. Oaks Church is yep. pretty pretty tense. Yep. Uh, Scott's the best preacher I know, most relatable. But you can still beat us on a lot of things. You're not going to beat Oaks Church on loving people. And I think my life and ministry is an indication of that. Uh, and I was very different than the Wilsons who have loved me so well. Our backgrounds were very different uh and the only way we came together is love and so I think i'm so thankful that i've been able to stay this long because uh i've been able to enjoy being loved well in all seasons and boy yeah. we've had some seasons we'll do we'll we'll save the that for the next podcast somewhere <laughs> down the road and we talk yeah. about
0: seasons, yeah absolutely, yeah. so take some of these things that. Have sort of kept that you would say this contributed to keeping me around and let 's turn those into advice, maybe for this for a senior pastor who's like. I get somebody in every once in a while, and I cannot get them to stay. Now, part of that is uh, is a bit of a generational approach. You know, whenever you get into um, those who are maybe, well, maybe my age, maybe 39 and down, there's a bit of a more of a free agent approach that we're right. always assuming we're here for now. Mm-hmm. And so there's very much a, a gig mentality. I'll be here for a few years. Um, but... What advice would you give for that senior leader about creating a place where people will stay and engage?
1: What we've discovered, and a lot of the things that we're operating in now and even mindsets, we've discovered over time. It wasn't like we had this grand idea 25 years ago, and then that's how we were going to play this thing right. out. Yes, yes. But the one of the most important things that we've really discovered about who we are, and now we communicate it regularly, is this idea of our number one responsibility. And, uh, we take that from the scripture, Matthew 28, Jesus last words. Hey guys, uh, here's the plan. Go and make disciples. And I think when I back everything else out, I would encourage a senior leader. Your number one responsibility is make disciples. If you stay in that lane, then people will want to be around you mm-hmm. because you will be doing things with them that you wouldn't do with a staff member. You'll be doing things with them that you wouldn't do with a hireling. You'll be doing things with them that you wouldn't do with any other position. But if you make disciples, it fixes so much in the, whole, in the staffing aspect and fixes so much in the church aspect. Uh, and so that's where I would say you want to start. At the end of the day, it's not about senior leader, a youth pastor, worship pastor, kids ministry. When we stand before the Lord, we're going to give an account for... Or did we love God? Did we love our neighbor as ourselves? And did we make disciples? And interestingly, everything is like a drop-down menu under discipleship. Mm-hmm. You take away everything else that Jesus did, except for you know dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, paying the penalty for our sins. It all ends up being about discipleship. So that's yeah. the number one thing uh, that I would tell a senior leader: uh, focus on fixing higher-level problems. At lower levels in the organization every year, try to figure out how each year you could give yourself an assessment and go, okay, are we now fixing higher level problems at lower levels in the organization? That forces a lot of activity. Uh, Things that we do now and executive decisions that we make now uh, are sometimes being made, well, often being made at the volunteer level in years past, 10 years ago, it would have taken an executive leadership meeting right. or, a, or a directional leadership team yes. meeting. And so keeping that in front of you as a senior leader helps you to do this thing that I think is very important, especially for this generation. They want to be a part of the whole. They want to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. They want to be a part of knowing what the real problems are. And uh, they're willing to do a lot of things if they feel like they're really cont- contributing something significant and uh, that's one of the things that Pastor Scott does a tremendous job of is inviting people into uh, solving problems and uh, being the lead grower in life yeah and so he's very relatable he's always telling his stories about you know the challenges of growing as a spiritual leader as a dad as a husband as a uh, pastor you know as a leader of our staff mm-hmm. and uh, it causes him to be extremely relatable and people want to be around that you right. know, they love that. I think remembering that Jesus is the measuring stick. Uh, Scott has done a really good job at not needing to be the smartest dude in the room. Yeah, that's really scary as a senior leader to not be the smartest dude in the room. But if you can ever break through that, you will have people want to be around you. Yes, and they will contribute in ways uh, that you know you could never get stuff done at that level because there just isn't enough room for their perspective. And so right. it's just really powerful. So those are some of the things that come to mind when I think about hey, as a you know as a senior pastor. How do you keep and and grow and and go mm-hmm. long term with with these staff people? That's that's you know that's a real key there.
0: And that's direct. I asked that question in the way of a senior leader, but friends, if you're those of you listening, that's directly applicable for. Any level of leader who is trying to bring people along with them. So that's applicable for the yeah. youth pastor who's trying to really develop some committed volunteer leaders underneath him. It's applicable for the worship leader. Mm-hmm. Really, it's you've given us principles of influence. Right there, mm-hmm. the things that'll make people right. want to stay with you.
1: I think we have this idea it comes from society rather than from scripture. This idea, okay, well, we got the uh, Gen Zers, the Gen Xers, the Millennials, uh, you know, the Baby Boomers. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're starting to die out a little bit, but you got all these generational people, mm-hmm. okay. Forget all that junk. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And if you do it the way that Jesus did it, you're not going to have a problem Mm -hmm. uh, getting high-capacity people to stick around. Now, we used to think, man, we want to get people in to stay with us. Now, we recognize if we have a discipleship mindset, it's not about getting people to stay with us. It's about getting people to grow with us and then sending them back out. And yeah. only a few yeah. stay. Most people come for a season and they leave, but yeah. but now that's how we operate. So it changes the type of activity that we're involved in for the season that they're there.
0: Yeah. And that's kingdom math too. You end up seeing a return on that that does sure. not make sense. Yeah. Over the 30 years that you've been involved, you've seen a lot of other staff members come and go. Uh, of the ones that were not um, blessed and released, of the ones that you sent out with joy, or you look back on, their, on your time together with them on staff really fondly. What are some of those qualities that tend to define great staff members?
1: Yeah, the, the ones that stick around and, and make the biggest impact, I think, number one, they're going to be the best lovers of people. For whatever reason, that wins the day. I mean, the Scripture says it wins the day. You know, the, uh, the three greatest things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest mm-hmm. is, is love. So it wins the day. Love does. Uh, secondly, uh, the ones who are most in tune with making disciples— and empowering the people under them. And if, you know, from a secular mindset, working themselves constantly out of a job, I mean, that's all I've done. I've, I've built a, a lifestyle of doing that. And the ones that are most successful in our organization are going to be uh, living that way as well. And then it goes back to what we talked about, that faithfulness with the mindset of 2X, doubling the impact with what they have their hands on. Mm-hmm. We can sit and pine on, on, well, we wish we had more money and we wish we had more resources and this and that. But I'm a believer that God limits the resources so that we actually do what He's asked us to do instead of doing more than He's asked us to do. Yeah. Most yeah. people, you know, when I was younger, I was always mad. Well, why can't we have more money and why can't we do more things? The people that are most successful in our organization go, okay, let's get an assessment of what we have. And then let's double mm-hmm. the impact uh, with what we have our hands on. And then we know that God, when He's ready... He'll give us some more. So that mindset creates a a real stickiness for the people that Mm. that are able to stick around. And some of them are seasonal. The whole purpose is make disciples. So it's either they're going to keep growing and scaling up and the opportunities that they have in the house with us, or they're going to go to another house. Yeah. Uh, it's not for us to decide that initially. God's right. the one that decides that. You know, as we move forward.
0: But let's talk about your relationship with your senior pastor for a moment. You guys have worked together for a long time now. You've gone through a lot of different seasons, as yeah. you mentioned. I can't imagine how many decisions that you've um, talked over and that you've made together. It's got to be the case there have been times you don't see eye to eye. It's definitely the case on any church staff that sometimes there are differing opinions on something. But how have you navigated that to come out in unity and move forward? That's a great question. And I think some people
1: have thought, oh, uh, you married sisters, so you're a brother-in-law, so it must be easier. You can get what you want. And I've thought, no, that means every decision we ever make— not only impacts the church, it impacts our families and every person, and it's trickier. Over the years, I've just recognized there are going to be times when Pastor Scott and I don't see the same way because we're two different beings and we have a perspective. And uh, I always just make it real simple. Okay. He's wanting to go that direction. I don't think that's the direction I would go if I was making the decision. So is this a deal breaker? And it's just real simple. Is this a deal breaker? Is that such an egregious, uh, you know, disconnect that our season has now come to an end? And and uh, you know, if so, well then we put a exit plan together and. Here we go. And it's going to be the best leaving that anybody ever did because my life is so rich because of my relationship with him. We've had probably maybe three or four over the course of the years where it got really close to being that. And um, if someone feels like it may be a deal breaker, the first thing they need to do is go figure that out with God. A lot of times us humans and us leaders want to start pitching it to our other leader friends. Hey, what do you think about this? And what about these things? And I'm just going right. to do, don't do that first. Yeah. Uh, do that after you've made the decision and then see if they have some perspective to bring. So uh, if I think it may be a deal breaker, then I need to take it to the Lord. If it's not a deal breaker, then I need to share my perspective. And this is what I do. I believe that the senior pastor has called their staff to bring their perspective. And so we challenge our whole team. I want you to bring the whole perspective, put it on the table, and then I'm going to make a decision, yes, no, or maybe to it. So I bring my whole perspective. Uh, If it's not a deal breaker, I bring my whole perspective. And then if pastor says, we're still doing it this way, then I bring my whole heart. And if I can't bring my whole heart, then I've got to go get with God and get that taken care of. Uh, What I find sometimes is people, one, they don't share their perspective. Two, they say yes and start moving forward, but they don't move forward with their whole heart. So they start developing this bucket or this file of resentment, and it starts getting fed over time. And that unresolved resentment ends up being the reason for their leaving rather than a God Mm. call or something like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, Colossians says this. Hey, work at whatever you got your hands on. Then work at it with your whole heart, as working for the Lord rather than men. Okay, so whole heart. If it's a struggle for me, then I got to go get my heart right with God. Mm-hmm. If I can't get my heart right, then it is a deal breaker, and I got to leave. But that's how we've navigated that. And um, you know, with a collaborative leader like uh, Pastor Scott, it makes it really easy to share perspective. Uh, but we don't know. We see eye to eye, and there are sometimes when he goes, "Thank you very much for what you've shared, and I appreciate it." But we ain't doing it like that. We're gonna go right. do it like this. And <laughs> yeah. then I say, "Got it, and I'm ready, and I'm gonna put my whole heart into it being successful." Some people, what they'll do is they'll go, "Okay, fine, we'll do it," but they stand on the sidelines, kind of secretly I'm hoping wa- I'm gonna watch it burn. Yeah, and and I'm just going, "No, I can't do that." Yeah. So yeah. that's that's how we, you know, it's a very simple way to deal with it, but it's just, I just ask myself, is this a deal breaker? If it's not, then uh, if I need to do some hard work, I get with God. If not, then I just jump in and go, okay, how can I make this thing successful?
0: That's great. You you made me think of a discussion that we had here in our office. Maybe it's been about a year ago, but we have a number of just top flight ministry leaders here in the office and we were talking about one of our district events and as we were looking at it we had a room full of differing opinions on that and as we were leaving we were just talking about okay we're making a decision that's the preference of you know one of us but this is now our event you know we right. we are going out yep. shoulder to shoulder and it's what you said not standing on the sidelines not engaging because it's not my flavor it's good wisdom mark well i think it's tricky it's not easy to do, man.
1: It's been it's been hard. And there have been some times when I actually was right.
0: <laughs> and
1: sure. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not coming back going, hey, I was right, and you should have done it my way. Yeah. There's learnings for me even in that season. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that perspective is, has helped me, and I don't try to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Hey, is this a deal breaker? If it's not, then I'm going to find a way with God's wisdom to get in. If it is a deal breaker, then I'm going to hug and love, and we're going to create an exit strategy.
0: Yeah. Well, before I ask you this uh, question sort of on parting guidance, you've mentioned um, the importance of growth at your church and in your life. Tell us uh, something that's kind of stirring you lately, whether it's something that you've heard a leader say, a passage of Scripture, book you're reading. What's something that's stirring you?
1: Well, one of the things that we're starting to see, and you know, we've evolved over the years as a church, but we're much more geared in this idea of the new believer growing into a mature believer. When I first got saved, it was like, oh, you got saved? Okay, well, good, man. You're following Jesus, so it's all good now, and and just, you know, toe the line. Well, we knew that didn't really work, but it was hard to communicate that because to allow for any other thing would mean to allow for sin or to allow for people's problems, and uh, we're just getting way better at being on the journey with people, and this idea of I'm on the journey, and I'm going to start with you where you are, and I'm willing to stick with you for the long term is just making the difference, uh, Mm. you know, for all of us. But I got to keep working it too, because I got, I have preferences. (laughs) I'm, I'm churchy now. I'm 30 years into this. I got lots of preferences and, and uh, lots of ideas. And, and I'm just, I want to keep being like Jesus. Somehow Jesus was able to know everything about everybody and still give allowance for them to have their own growth. You know, even like the Pharisees, hey, whichever one of you is without sin, hey, you be the first one to cast a stone. I would have been in that moment calling them out. I would have been saying, hey, now, Bob, remember what you thought about last night? Remember, Jim? Yeah. And he, (laughs) even in that moment with those nod-headed dudes, he was able to give them a shot at uh, their own growth Mm -hmm. instead of fixing it for them. Which, you know, he probably could have fixed it for him and the conviction and all that, but he allowed them to grow. And uh, that's the thing that I just want to keep getting better at, giving people an opportunity to grow without trying to rescue them or fix it for them. And I'm, I'm yeah. still struggling, learning.
0: Hmm. Well, final 10%, uh, listening to this, let's target this, uh, again, specifically towards a staff pastor, whatever their portfolio of students, life groups, worship, might be out running or doing dishes, which is what I do when mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts. Um, it, what is just last bit of parting guidance? If you were sitting at Starbucks with them and you're leaving them with one more thing, what would it be?
1: Yeah, I, I think at this point in my life, it would be fulfill your number one responsibility and make disciples, because mm-hmm. that's not role-centric. Uh, roles mm-hmm. are seasonal. Uh, you know, there's a lot of staff people that don't get paid. There's volunteer staff, and we have all kinds of separations. But if you will fulfill your number one responsibility of teaching people to obey everything that Jesus commanded, you're going to win. And you're going to win in a big way, and you're going to win in the Jesus way. And pretty much everything else falls in line under that that's great
0: well Mark thank you for your time yeah thank you it's been great man thanks for the opportunity thank you for what you and uh and the Oaks and pastor Scott do for our broader for our broader network for your work with CMN uh, I know you guys don't y'all have a youth ministry conference coming at some point pretty soon we do as well? yeah
1: yeah uh, that's been happening every year and I'm trying to remember healthy youth ministry I couldn't think of there what you it go. was dude. yeah 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 I'm old. Yeah, that's that's coming down the pike, and uh, we're excited about the opportunities we have. And really, at the end of the day, it's just us sharing our journey and saying, hey, we're still growing, but here's what we've learned so far. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm thankful we get to do that.
0: Well, friends, thank you for listening. If you go to NorthTexas.ag slash District Council, uh, on there we actually have audio from dozen, well, probably at least 20 different breakouts from this year's District Council and Conference, and uh, one of those is Pastor Mark's breakout session on intentional growth planning. So, friends, whether you're in Red Oak, Round Rock, or serving Jesus somewhere in the international missions field, we want you to know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you have a great week serving Jesus and his bride, the local church.